Friends and welcome to the Rogue Planet podcast. I'm Jason McClellan, and my buddy Caleb Hanks and I are so happy to be joined by our celebrity friend Maureen Ellsbury again. Stop Hi, Maureen. Stop calling me a celebrity, Maureen. <laughs> it's a superstar, not celebrity. Uh, super special. Super special. <laughs> I probably shouldn't special say that about kid. myself. Yeah. Maureen's super special Well Maureen, because you're super special We'll start off with you How are you and how was your week? Uh, You know, I'm uh, just peachy Uh, My life pretty much revolves around Game of Thrones lately Yeah So a little disappointed in the last couple weeks They're starting to veer away from the book And uh, that's no surprise really But uh, yeah, so I'm pretty boring this week, honestly did you see that he was just on, what was it, Conan? Uh, G- what's his name, George R.R. R. Martin? Oh, I didn't see that episode. I think he was just on Conan. I just saw the headlines today about it, saying that he writes on a computer with uh, DOS, and he hates spell check. Yeah, he's kind of hilarious also, and he, uh, he drops some things about having to seek shelter from fans, basically, because he kills off all sorts of major characters all the time. So yeah. he's got uh, some very angry people out people there. People love to hate him. But I, I mean, I think it's that's the way to go. It's you got to have the fairy tale with sort of the bad ending because otherwise it, life's too boring. Oh, he's doing it right, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you can incite that much passion from people, you're, you're doing something right. Exactly. I, I ran into a kid um, a couple of nights ago, and the dude looked just like the guy that played Joffrey. Oh, little bitch ass. And I, and I told him that, and he was like, oh, man, screw you. Well, <laughs> do you like, yeah, that's an insult. Do you know that the kid who plays Joffrey quit acting because, like after that role? He's like, I'm done acting. I believe it, because that's got to be tough, especially yeah. for a younger actor. Nobody likes you. Yeah. Your yeah. character is so hated. Yeah, that's got to be. I think really he just tough. thought like he he viewed a very negative uh, side of stardom is right. because people you know associate you with your character, and right. so they just love to hate on him. Because in the books and in the show, he is a little bitch. Yeah. God. I, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> absolutely. I I hated him. Well, Maureen, uh, you still haven't shown us your your promised pictures from your trip. I know, working on it. I've got uh, just starting to upload some videos and pictures, and eventually I'll I'll post those, uh, the adventures of Maureen. Maureen in Belize. Yeah. How was your week, Caleb? What's going on? Well, it's, uh, it's a goddamn circus as usual, Jason. Um, I, I, I attended a satanic ritual. What? What? Yeah. All right, continue. So, um, 
if I went and saw this band called Ghost BC um, at the Orange Peel in Asheville, and they're like this. I think it, I don't know if they're really Satanists, but they just kind of it's this kind of Satan shtick, and all the guys dress up like these like hooded, faceless minions, and then the lead singer has like this skeleton face, and he wears uh, like a like a robe and like a pope hat with an upside down Celtic cross on it, and it's just it's really funny, honestly. Um, but like the stage, the back of the stage was like big, uh, cathedral windows. And, um, and in the middle of the show, I mean, like the lead singer, when he's talking to the crowd, he sounds like, like Dracula. He's like, how are you all doing? All right. Everybody having fun. Okay. Just wear a rubber. And then like, I don't know. It was really bizarre how happy and connected and positive everybody was at the Satan shindig. You know, that could be a, an interesting shtick for a stand-up comedian to do uh, comedy as Dracula. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, I... you, you, should, you should try that, um, you know, because that is humor in itself with Dracula talking about uh, contemporary topics and issues. I feel like that's I... almost uh, from that movie... That he does the Dracula play. Yes. Oh, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yes. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really fun. And I hung out with Satan. And then I went to these people's house. And I backed into this guy's rock thing that he made. This The neighbor. And then the next day, I came outside, and he was very mad at me. And then I had to uh, explain to him that I was very sorry, and I didn't mean to back over his rock, but my car almost got stuck. And it was like 3 in the morning, and I'm having to rev my engine and throw gravel around all over the place. So that was exciting. And then I saw what can only be described as a plant cake. A plant cake. A plant cake. It was, it, I guess it was some sort of terrarium, but it was just looked like a cake made out of moss. Did you eat it? I, they wouldn't let me. Did you try? I wanted to. Well, that's uh, good. Well, what else happened? Are, are your traveling days done for now? I know uh, last time we spoke, you had been on the road for quite a while. Um, I've been, I've just been playing shows kind of locally, um, in Highlands, North Carolina and stuff like that. But Crazy Tom, Banana Pants, the Sky Band has some fun things in the work. We're going to be at the Lexington Avenue Brewery on May 22nd. That's a Thursday with a band called Monkey in Podship. And, um, and we're working up I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Okay, I can see that uh, as a perfect fit for you. Can, can I hear just a brief Whitney from you? That was Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I want to feel the heat with somebody. I just want to dance with somebody. Do it in the Dracula voice. I just want to suck your blood with somebody. Oh, ha, ha. Now, I, uh, I was thinking about if I, if I ever do stand-up comedy, I'm not going to, like, do stand-up as myself. I'm literally just going to go see if I can start my career as Gilbert Gottfried. Okay. Uh, I think you can do that. And uh, 
Did you, did either of you happen to see the video this week? Um, I don't know if it was just this week. I know I saw it this week of Gilbert Godfrey doing, uh, like voicing video games. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. I didn't watch the video, but I saw something about it. Yeah, he kind of talks the way characters would talk. Some of it is he's just making up dialogue and others he's, you know, video games that specifically say what the character is saying, like at the bottom of the screen, he would read that. And as you all know, anything coming out of Gilbert Gottfried's voice is hilarious. So, Well, you, I just realized that I had this nightmare once and it turned out to be a real life situation where I was taking a nap and I was woken up by the sound of Gilbert Gottfried's voice. It was because my Hulu does like auto transition (laughs) if I'm not pressing something else. And it was celebrity wife swap with Gilbert Gottfried and um, uh, Alan Thicke. And what? (laughs) That's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it was a it's nightmare. Like, yeah, that's. I was gonna say that's, that's the, a uh, bad dream right there. But. The bad some, dream is being somebody actually married him. Yeah. Some of the uh, waitresses at the local saloon that I frequent um, have started to become very annoyed recently because for the past couple times I've been in there, I've just I cannot stop being Gilbert Gottfried, and uh, and. Some of the guys have started to adopt the Gilbert Gottfried voice, and now these girls just literally work with, like, five Gilbert Gottfrieds, and they hate their lives. And every time they see me, they're just very mad. It's it's a woman repellent, honestly. I don't know. The weird thing is, is, like, I've I've actually had girls ask for my phone number recently after being Gilbert Gottfried. Maybe they think I'm really Gilbert. That's because it's fun for a while, but then it becomes overkill. It's like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you don't. You don't want. I mean, when you hear these other people doing it, you need to tell them to shut up because they're they're ruining your your stick there, and uh, oversaturating it. I think it's like he's funny at the bar, but I can't imagine waking up next to him like, "Good morning, honey. Yeah. Did you sleep well?" Yeah, I mean, when you casually hear it, you know, here and there, it's hilarious. But if that was all the time, it would strangle somebody. I mean, it's like, there's an episode of Seinfeld where he does this voice where he uh, makes a voice for, <laughs> for his girlfriend's belly. And he goes, hello, la, la, la. And it's hilarious, and everybody loves it for a while. But then she finds out about it and gives him an ultimatum and says, you know, it's either me or the voice. And he goes, I have to choose? And eventually he chooses the voice, and his friends say, ah, honestly, that voice is played. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't uh, can't overdo it, or people get sick of it. Well, my week was interesting. I went to the City of Angels, Los Angeles, on Saturday, early, early morning. I woke up at three thirty and drove out there from Phoenix with my dad in a truck and a trailer, driving there to uh, move my wife back here, who's living there currently and moving back here. Uh, so we did a quick there and back move. And it's a city like any other big city where that can be a complete nightmare. And I was dreading it tremendously um, because it's a city and there's nowhere to park a U-Haul or a moving truck or a trailer or anything. You know, you've got these narrow streets with cars parked on both sides and nowhere to park. So you basically have to 
stop in the middle of the street and block traffic and have people get pissed at you. And our move out there was a terrifying experience because we had a U-Haul and got into a massive accident on the freeway and had to have a tow truck. You know, when you get in an accident in a U-Haul, that's great, and you get taken care of, and as long as you're not dead, you're good, but you still have all of your stuff in the back of a truck. So you have to figure out how you're getting all of your stuff in your busted-up truck to where you're going. So we had a giant, like, semi... The, the tow trucks, they used to tow semis, towing this little U-Haul. And it was the littlest U-Haul there is, the little 10-foot truck. That should be a children's book, The Littlest U-Haul. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so this giant tow truck tows this little U-Haul and you know, has to stop in front of the apartment building and blocks traffic and opens up the back of this busted-up U-Haul. And all of us, all the stuff is complete powder basically all the furniture and everything because it's been shaken around so much from the accident so there we are blocking traffic and to throw up the open the door and toss all of our, all of the powdered furniture out on the sidewalk quickly so people could then get by it was pretty embarrassing and an awful experience but anyway we were expecting that same thing this time around because there's really only one place a truck and a trailer could actually park it's this one little very tiny strip of street right before the stoplight um, that's kind of a loading zone and it's never been open. In the, the two years she's been there, it's, it's never been available. We walk by it, and there are always people there, just kind of parked there all day long. But uh, there was a tow truck there when my dad and I were almost to the apartment. And she called and said, um, there's a tow truck there, um, and it's on, but there's nobody in it. And I said, well, keep watching it. If it's on, it's probably moving soon. And then she called back like a minute later and said, the tow truck's gone. So we quickly zoomed in there and parked. And the truck and trailer fit in this tiny spot like perfectly. There was like maybe an inch to spare. So that whole process worked all right. So we got all that moved. I'm glad to have that done. And then I'm going to be moving here in a couple months to the northwest out of the beautiful weather of Phoenix and into the... Mm, to be determined weather of the Northwest. That sounds magical. Well, I hope it is. We'll see. What if it sucks? It could suck. What are you going to do? I'm going to say, this sucks. And sit there with your, fo- <laughs> with your arms crossed. Yeah. I'm going to have a pouty face, too. Man. Yep. If that happens, I'm going to send you a puffin, because those make anybody happy. I would like that, actually. I'll let you know. I mean, seriously, how cute are puffins? Puffins are pretty puffin' cute. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to pity laugh. Well, let's get into some news, guys. There's been a lot of weird and geeky news lately, and I want to start off by talking about this. And Caleb, I don't know if you've uh, seen this, but there is a group of guys, a nonprofit organization trying to start a sci-fi museum in Hollywood called the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum. Now, really? these guys, um, I forget what their nonprofit is called, but uh, actually it's the New Starship Foundation. And this group's been around for a while. They actually made headlines because they were behind the, an Enterprise-D bridge restoration project where they got like this a recreation of the Enterprise D bridge 
from Paramount and uh, it crowdfunded that before, I believe. And they take it around to different conventions and let people have their picture taken on the bridge of the Enterprise. But uh, these guys, and, and these are people who were actually involved with uh, Star Trek Next Generation from writers and artists and stuff, as well as people um, from different sci-fi shows like Battlestar Galactica and some others. And so all these people uh, are part of this nonprofit organization, and they're now trying to start the Sci-Fi Museum in Hollywood, and they've got incredibly ambitious plans. So they're, they're doing a Kickstarter right now, and... Surprisingly, they're they're only trying to raise, uh, I think, okay, so $82,000 is their goal. But uh, they're trying to start a, I think, a temporary, like a preview um, museum in Hollywood before they go for the, the whole shebang. And they plan to launch this thing in, in 2018. They're going to have a a temporary one, I think, in 2015. But 2018, they're trying to open the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum. And you really should check out their Kickstarter page because they've got this video with great visuals, a whole workup of what they envision. And it is a monster of a project. I mean, they have, like, starship exhibit rooms with these recreations of starship starships that you can actually go on and robots and cars all these things from various sci-fi movies so it's a ambitious project but it looks awesome and i would definitely go to hollywood to go to this museum that's pretty cool yeah i'm glad uh geeks can get together and make some stuff happen heck yeah um and and other news as far as film goes did you guys happen to have you guys ever seen the film akira i have not it's like it's it's insane. I mean, it's people have. Uh, I mean, it's it's got a really big fan base. It's like one of these big like cult anime hits, but uh, it's really really crazy. Like, but it's very very gory and and very intense. But uh, these people have made. I don't know if they've actually filmed the movie, but they at least have made a trailer of a live action version of of the film and. Uh, it looks really, really awesome. So for all you Akira fans out there, I think I will have the link up on the website shortly. How shortly? Uh, tomorrow. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> yeah. Not really. Uh, so also in weird movie news, Channing Tatum is going to be Gambit. I uh, know. This is like mm. caused an internet upheaval yesterday. People are I mean, not he's, happy. He's not my first choice. No. All right, who is your first choice? Mm, let me think. Uh, Andy Richter. Okay, I could see that. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's hard to say because Gambit's like such a fan favorite. I'd have Andy think. Richter's eyes would be less squinty than Channing Tatum. So. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is the whole thing with the whole Ben Affleck That's Batman right. thing yeah. versus is people are getting really upset because they're going into these iconic roles. Uh, but shit, they may surprise us. I, I yeah. think Ben's going to do all right. I would imagine Channing Tatum will probably do better than. Um, oh, God, what's that last guy that played uh, Gambit? Kitsch, Taylor, something weird. Oh, like the hot guy. 
Yeah, but like that movie was such a turd. That I, Wolverine. Yeah. Oh my god! Like I walked out of the movie theater. It was so bad. I just saw an interview with Taylor Kitsch last night on uh, the Tonight Show. I think it was no one of those, one of those shows. He's doing some show with Mark Ruffalo on HBO. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. you seen that? that no, pe- I just heard about it last night. I haven't seen it. I, I don't think it's even out yet, but either way. Mark Ruffalo. I like him so much. I do, Dude, too. I love Mark Ruffalo. He's just like a teddy bear. Who doesn't I know. love him? 13 Going on 30 was a great movie. <laughs> Dude, I thought, I, I thought he was perfect for the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, it fits the character. It's pretty awesome. Uh, let's see here. I feel like there was more Marvel news. Man, I am so excited to see Godzilla this weekend. Oh my gosh. It's looking pretty intense. Dude, they just, uh, I just found some newly released, um, pictures of him and the monster is just so big. He is so huge. Did you guys happen to see, uh, it was an infographic going around showing the, uh, the size of Godzilla and how it's changed over the years. No, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I want to take a look at that again because I really didn't evaluate it, but it, it is kind of interesting because the size differentials were huge. Right, bigger is uh, better. And you know that that's kind of a trend right now. You know, thanks to wonderful infographics and and uh, nerds who have lots of time on their hands, we've been seeing a <laughs> lot of things. And our buddy Aaron Sagers did a, a cool thing with uh, showing. Oh, what did he do? Did he do the fl- no? He didn't do the Flash, did he? He did the outfits of um, Captain America, Captain America through the years, the various outfits that he's had. He did a cool video about that. Um, somebody recently did, a, I think, a, either an infographic or a slideshow. And it might have been on io9, but I don't remember. But uh, the Flash and his various looks mm. through the years. And, and somebody recently did a, an infographic showing the various looks of the Superman logo through the years. Let's do a various looks of Caleb Hanks through the years infographic. Yes, I if, like that. If you scroll back to some of my first pictures on Facebook, you will find some very devastating haircuts of mine. Exactly. And Devastatingly I, I, handsome. I have seen some of these pictures you before, and uh, that's why I think this might be a brilliant little infographic. Um, I actually acquired a, an interesting piece of clothing recently. I know this is a strange way to start something out, but um, a cod piece. It is the red cod piece that Cameo used to wear. Nice. What? No. Um. My my buddy Aaron Rhodes is always like looking for kind of bizarre clothing, and uh, he actually there's a very iconic uh, jacket from the film Akira that just is a red jacket with a pill on the back. And uh, he's always just, like, looking for weird, weird-ass clothes. And one night I ran into him, and he had this really bizarre uh, kind of hoodie thing on that was, like, really fitted and looked like just something out of a freaking movie. And I asked him about it, and he actually had ordered it from a company. They're a very, very small company, but they actually um, made the, um, I think it was the Klingon outfits for uh, the latest Star Trek films. Yeah. And uh, and there's only like a hundred of these jackets made, and he was like, "Dude, you know, if you like it, I'll sell it to you." And I was like, "Yep, sold, bought it right there." So I'm like, one of a hundred people that has this uh, particular jacket. Have you worn it? I I I actually haven't because it's it's pretty um, 
it's pretty warm and it's been getting like warmer and warmer here so i haven't really had a chance but next in the fall i'll probably wear it out i want a picture it's it's really space age it's really bizarre looking nice it's all, it's i like cool. the sound of space age i mean it really does look like something that you'd see somebody from like star trek wear cool so yeah well congratulations oh. on your acquisition I got some weird nerd body covers. Underpants? Oh, I don't wear pants, ever. I have never worn a pair of pants in my life. Well, that's why I'm glad you're uh, currently on the other side of the country. Yeah, my mom wants me to start wearing overalls, at least at the dinner table. Isn't that what everybody there wears? Yeah. I could see you in overalls. North Carolina, we just sit out on the front porch in our overalls, nothing else, and a and a hay needle in our mouth. And a little bit of moonshine. Sit there going, yep, it's hot out today. It's going to be even hotter tomorrow. And then we play our banjo and sit on our, I mean, I actually do play bluegrass, so that's kind of, man, fuck it. Yeah, and I'm sure you play a pretty fine banjo, but I'd rather hear you play mandolin. Now what's weird is I never, I, I, I've played the banjo a couple of times, but I'm I it's the syncopated roll with the three fingers. That stuff's hard. Yeah. Tough, tough stuff. I I can't do it with my uh poor like almost arthritic hands. You could probably do yep. it for like two seconds. Well, because my buddy yeah. was gonna teach me banjo and yeah. I said he said, you know what, your hands are too too precious. Old lady hands. <laughs> Maureen better go down to the local saloon and have herself a phosphate. A phosphate? Uh Wow. Poor little little decrepit old Maureen. (laughs) You guys want to talk some space news? Sure. Well, I am, uh, I've recently started writing occasionally for Geek Magazine. Geekexchange.com is where you can see all that. And uh, written some interesting news uh, pieces about space lately and first one we'll talk about is uh, how nasa wants to study earth plants on mars and nasa's had wonderful ideas of like greenhouses on mars and you know they're they're seriously looking into uh you know the possibility of of colonies on the moon and mars and their first steps are to look at plant life and how earth plants would be affected by the environment on these other bodies. And uh, that's all well and good for them, and it's probably the smart approach. But uh, they're, I think, moving at uh, a little too slow of a pace. They're going to be left in the dust. Um, they have this, this plan called the Mars Plant Experiment, because that makes sense. Or MPX, if you want to sound a, a little more sophisticated than Mars Plant Experiment. But it's scheduled to launch in mid-2020, reaching Mars in 2021. That's so far away. Too and slow. Uh, Yeah. And it's kind of a, a wussy project, too, I think. I mean, you know, we think about giant greenhouses and stuff that they could do. But no, this is... Their plan is for... A little CubeSat, these little like cube satellite things that are used for other purposes, but they want to have one of these CubeSats with um, seeds in it, and it'll sit on top of the next generation rover and like right on its back. And when it uh, lands on the planet, the rover will like water it or something, and it will grow inside this tiny little cube, and that will be their test. 
And remember, this is 2021, and this is uh, their advanced test in the future. But uh, I don't know if we've talked about Mars One before. I don't think we have talked about Mars One on the show. But Mars One is this private space company who is on track to establish a Mars colony. A colony, not a little cube sat with a plant test, but an entire colony by 2025. I wonder if that colony will make plant cake on Mars. I bet you they will. I think that's one of the first things they'll do, and they'll probably train somebody specifically in in plant cake making. Right, and in the... um... (laughs) Well, the selection process has now been um, chopped from, I don't know, it was like 1,500 to 785 people. And they're going to now start um, doing individual interviews with the uh, potential colonists and knock it down to the people they'll start training for four years before they launch it. And uh, this will get interesting because then they will probably have the people separated off into different skill sets. And, of course, then you have the uh, plant cake maker. You have somebody that's uh, in charge of more doctor stuff. Baby maker. Medical. Yeah, baby. Well, it's it's supposedly going to be... They're all going to be be baby makers. Yeah, it's supposedly going to be a male and female candidate from different parts of the world. They're going to sector it down to that. So um, I think that's the last thing I heard. Uh, so it's kind of that thing like, yeah, we're giving you a, a, a sexual partner for each uh, person going up there. Yeah, no, and Even they're, if you they're, they're not shy about no. it. I mean, that's sort of their, their job is to populate the planet. So. Yeah. But, but think about this. I mean, this is kind of a crazy concept to me. Can you imagine being a kid that was born on Mars and knowing that there's a home planet that that your people came from that you have never seen and all you see is like pictures. And I mean, earth is an incredibly beautiful place. Can you imagine being like, why am I not there? You know, why did did I have to be born on Mars? You know what I'm saying? Well, that is inevitable. I think, I think there'll be a lot of that. And thanks to geniuses, mainly Elon Musk. um, I think they'll be able to go to earth if they want um, that's the thing, you know, Mars One, their plan is to have this be a one-way mission. I mean, these people are going there for life um, because return trips from Mars aren't aren't a possibility right now. But uh, SpaceX, Elon Musk's company, is working on reusable rockets, and they just recently had their first successful test of that. Um, but that's the idea. I mean, SpaceX is really Mars-focused, and... That's where Elon Musk wants to die is on Mars. But uh, he's the one providing really the, the launch technology to get Mars One to Mars. And uh, I think in the very near future, he will have the technology to have a craft get to Mars and do a return trip. What's the name of, of the new transportation system he's working on again? Dragon? Or, or the, no, no, no. The, 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 the actual launch missile? No, no, um, no, no, no. Not to Mars. No, the the rocket, right? No, I'm talking about the transportation system. Oh, like the he's shoot. not working on that. Or, I, I hope he does work well, on it. Well, that he was talking about. Yeah, the Hyperloop. Hyperloop, thank um, you. Is incredibly so, amazing technology, and I wish somebody would uh, look into that. Right, so here's where I'm going, is I believe, well, Lisa, I, th- I can think that this could be a possibility, is that, you know, let's go 2050. There's going to be like a Hyperloop to space. And so it'll be super easy to get back and forth. 
No big deal. I, I think that's right. I mean, there have been talks about, you know, trains to the moon and yeah. stuff. An like, ele- what if there was elevator, just a giant yeah. elevator yeah. to the moon I thought, or Mars? I thought, I thought they were trying to do something kind of like that. They are. Yeah. Elevator-wise. Can yeah. you I imagine? Mean, instant plant cake. Interplanetary plant cake. Holy shit. I wonder how I've long that elevator for would a, take. For a moon plant cake. Moon pie. Running out for a moon pie. Now that I think about this plant cake, I just, I want like a green cheesecake right now. What would make the cheesecake green? Key lime Yeah, like a key lime cheesecake. Or food dye. Seaweed cheesecake. I I honestly would be really into that. I love seaweed. I just did a seaweed mask on my face the other day, and uh, it was green, and I looked in the mirror, and I was wearing my... uh, uh, paranormal pop culture Aaron Sager's Team Alien t-shirt uh, so it looked a little bit perfect uh, too close to home Yeah. so I had to take a picture because green face and an alien t-shirt yeah. that's right <laughs> <laughs> well something I saw uh, published by the Smithsonian's publication Aaron Space Magazine today uh, there is a company trying to develop uh, a new technology to explore Mars with arrows. With arrows? With arrows. In fact, these arrows serve a purpose. They call them penetrator probes. And these penetrator probes, they believe, are the perfect way to look for life on other planets, and they want to use them on Mars. Um, The project is called Exolance. And these guys want to do is have this craft go up and shoot these arrows down at the planet and the planet that the the arrows will penetrate the surface of the planet um giving a better indication of whether or not life exists below the surface so this is a really cool idea but you know that like a bunch of nerds were sitting around and like knew that they could get away with calling it penetrator probes that's right like ha 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 Mm -hmm. but but yeah this is kind of a cool idea and i think this uh it's interesting far out there, but we do need to do drilling or penetrating on yeah, these different crusts. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because the, the existing rover, Curiosity, only has the ability to do you know a little bit of drilling, certainly not as much penetrating as a, an arrow would do, I think. But still, I, I want to see a, a rover like drive into the caves and stuff on Mars because I, I do think those lava tubes and stuff mm-hmm. that do exist would allow us to get a peek inside these probably pretty complex underworld on these planets. And, and if the life, if life does exist there, which I think it probably does, I think that's where it is. Yep. Be so, pretty cool to see some space caves. Either either the robots need to do it or uh, our, our wonderful Mars One explorers need to get there and do it. Whenever I think about going into caves on other planets or lava tubes or things like that, I get Prometheus in my head when they go into yeah. that cave. And it's like, don't do it. Yep. <laughs> we need some sort of robot like Eve from Wally to go check it out. Yeah, but I mean, I think that uh, honestly... In the situation with Mars, I think that the likelihood of microbial life is is far more plausible than us finding complex, intelligent uh, life there. Maybe. But wouldn't that be crazy 
if we broke went in one of these lava tubes and there was just a whole freaking civilization yeah what if there were very like there could be very human-like yeah you never know but they're just living underground so maybe they've transformed like the mall or not mall um what is what are the blind rats in australia that can't see not rats uh moles because they're underground so their eyesight gets i mean there's like trout and and animals like that and salamanders that like live in the dark their entire lives and are completely blind you know from birth so i would imagine just like the hadles from the descent crawling out in droves (laughs) that's terrifying those things are freaky uh they'll find something i'm excited to find out what but uh here's another interesting story that just uh broke today and that is the russian deputy prime minister issued a statement i believe yesterday that uh, Russia's threatening to pull out of the International Space Station because, and this all stems from uh, kind of heightened tensions between the U.S. and Russia because of the whole Ukraine incident but uh, and U.S. sanctions and whatnot. But uh, they've been pretty hostile lately, and, and politics are getting in the way of, of uh, space projects here. And they are saying that so the U.S. has plans to use the ISS until at least um, 2024. And Russia says they're going to pull out in 2020 because they'll be done with what they need to do and they'll leave. And, you know, when you hear that, you think, well, good riddance, dude. See you later. But the problem here is that we sort of need them at the ISS because I guess the way it's designed like when they leave, they'll take like their chunk of it with them and their chunk has a lot of the navigation stuff and other important things for the space station. Yeah, we might need that. So, yeah, <laughs> things that uh, we kind of need for the ISS to work. Um, there are, I guess, backup plans because, you know, of course we thought that, you know, with economic situations and other problems in Russia... We might not be able to count on them. So I guess contingencies were planned for, but they're not readily accessible and not, not, not ideal to uh, put into play at this time. So, and nothing is official. NASA said, um, we haven't heard anything officially, but I mean, these guys did have a press conference and say basically that they're pulling out in 2020. Well, now, and also it's 2020, so we got six years. Yeah. There is time. A lot, a lot can change. But the good thing for us is hooray for private space companies. And remember, the wonderful Bigelow Aerospace already has a contract with NASA to attach one of his, one of Bigelow Aerospace's inflatable modules on the ISS. They had this planned agreement to test his inflatable habitats on the ISS. So hopefully if uh, Russia pops off their uh, portion, Bigelow can just plug in and have a better situation than they had previously but uh yeah i think i think bigelow and and nasa that's a a good relationship they've got a lot of things going including a plan for a base on the moon so that's all in the works so hopefully robert bigelow will save the day base on the moon built with p bricks p bricks yeah that's another technology that and uh 3d printing that's the future of space colonization, my friends. 
I just saw this uh, video yesterday. It's um, it's a robotic arm that has learned how to catch things just randomly thrown oh, at it. Oh, that's terrifying. I saw something about that, how it could catch like a pitch from a catcher or something. But yeah, it's, that's but awful. It's, it, it's, I, I think, if I'm correct, I think the method that they're utilizing to teach the robot how to do that is actually pretty incredible because what they're doing is they're literally grabbing it like the people are grabbing it and when something will come at it it they will manually move the arm and it kind of learns to mimic human reaction so i mean it's insane but it's like really really amazing and like every other technology in the world i think this is probably first been used in the sex industry as like a masturbation robot or something because <laughs> as as, uh, as we've learned from the the porn industry they they perfect and uh really utilize breaking technologies first and they're successful there and then they kind of trickle down i feel sorry for that person who is so lazy they can't even masturbate they have to have a robot do it for them well that seems incredibly dangerous too you know (laughs) good good no 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 that's too tight too tight (laughs) tighter tighter And that's how I had my dick ripped off by a robot. <laughs> That'd make for a good story, but I don't think you want to tell that story. No, we don't want any uh, Theon Greylords out there. Oh, oh great spo- joy. Come on. Spo- spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. Greyloid. <laughs> Greyloid Fokker. And that is a whole premise that is not in the books. I think George R. R. Martin just likes wieners. No. Who doesn't? I think HBO likes wieners. Wow. Well, that's Dude, a given. Honestly, not, not enough. I know this is, sounds weird, like coming from a guy, but when I first started watching Game of Thrones, it almost seemed to me like the just overt sexual content was like almost distracting in a way. You know what I mean? No, probably I don't no, know what you mean. Probably nobody knows what I mean, but I don't know. It yeah, no, like, I, I've heard that from people. There's you know, like, I, I, find, uh, I find that with girls. Yeah. Oh, well, there's less sex now in Game of Thrones, progressively. I feel like than there was in the first season. Right. That was. Yeah, I think that's true. That was just basically watching porn. Yeah. I only heard this like from somebody I was randomly talking to, but apparently the girl that plays Khaleesi has written into her contract that she's not going to do any more nude scenes for yep, the whole rest of the series. Right. She sure did. That's disappointing. <laughs> I think that. Yeah, I Many agree. people were disappointed. Yeah. I love her. I want one. I want 3D printing to print me a clone of her. I'm pretty sure there's a site for that. It's called Real Dolls. I don't want a doll. <laughs> I want a girl with dragons. Weird science. A girl with dragons? That's scary. Yeah, because I'd be like, honey, you... I don't feel like paying for dinner. Will you just have the dragon intimidate the waiters? You are the dude from Weird Science, I just realized. That's seriously one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> I can see that. And that girl that played Lisa um, back in the 80s version, oh my god. She was just perfect. Perfect for the 80s. And, I don't know, you know what's weird? My One of my favorite, like, cru- or first crushes when I was a kid was Lori Petty in Tank Girl. That was so much later than the crush time. I would think that you would definitely have a crush before Tank Girl came out. I remember Caleb's young. I'm a little man. I'm 28. I don't know. I but still, that's Tank Girl came out in the like in the 90s. 
Yeah, but I'd never seen a girl until that movie. Yeah, mm, I don't. Sheltered. I don't know. I've I've thought about this occasionally, trying to remember who my first like film crush girl was. I mean, I mean, and she's the only, the first one I remember really mm. yeah. being into. The first one I really remember is probably Christy Brinkley and Family Vacation. Yeah, mine is too obvious. Mine was Harrison Ford and Raiders. Yeah, that's easy. Uh, it's I one mean, of the very first movies I ever. Seen. Yeah, it's probably mine too. Yeah. But that's solid still. It's I know. Oh, it, he's still, yeah, my almost yeah. One, number one crush. But oh, yeah. I, it's okay. I had the dorky ones too, like Devin Sawa. Who's uh, that? He played the boy in Casper, the ghost. He played Casper, oh. the ghost. Oh, nice. That's hilarious. Man, when I was like, I like that. whenever that movie came out, preteen, I think, or I don't know. He was a every girl's dream boy. I loved that movie, and I, I, like, saw it in the theaters and was, like, obsessed with it. But, like, I watched it a couple years back. That is a really sad movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it like is. It's, like, really depressing. I mean, it's like it's like Edward Scissorhands. I can only watch that movie, like, once a year because when, like, when that movie's over, I just want to cry. I was really, 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 really sheltered growing up. Not really sheltered, but... Uh, Forbidden to watch anything uh, slightly provocative. Mm -hmm. So the the things in our video collection growing up that had anything slightly provocative were were few. So in in my collection, one of my most uh, exciting and risque movies we had was was The Brave Little Toaster. (laughs) Oh, that was like really late. 90s, early 2000s. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Jason, go on. Big. Oh, I just watched that. Because there's a scene where she, he pulls open her blouse and you see her bra. And that's pretty yeah. exciting. And he grabs her boobs. He grabs her boob and the bra, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because... Um, and she's not attractive at all, but uh, <laughs> it's a boob and a bra, so it's pretty exciting. The uh, When I was in Belize... We were outside of all electronics for the entire trip, pretty much. Um, Our last night that I was with my group, before I went off on my own, we were in Belize City, and we were in a hotel room, which was strange, and we had a TV. So in the morning, while we were kind of packing up our stuff, we we turned the TV on for some reason, and, and Big was on, so we watched Big. And then we were both kind of questioning each other back and forth. After that bra scene, they kind of cut off. And then he's all happy the next day, and so she. Oh, they had sex. Yeah, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> he's a man now. <laughs> but hey, it's, darling. It seems so creepy because then wouldn't you be even more like really creeped out to know that you had slept with this a thirteen-year-old boy? 13? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. But there's an even weirder provocative scene that I will bring to attention. You know that scene in Howard the Duck? Oh, no, I hate that movie. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Don't even talk about it. I know that scene. Aaliyah Thompson is all, like, trying to bang him, and they're going to make a... Um, I mean, I guess a weird mutant hybrid would just be Howard the Duck. Never mind. But, yeah, that's a creepy scene. Oh, my gosh. that is one, It's so funny because people love that movie. It's one of those movies that I am so creeped out by that I hate it. And I mean, it's just uh, built this yeah. ob- hatred obsession. That crazy ass um, claymation monster at the end is like nuts, man. So do you do you feel similarly to uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No. No. Okay. Not at all. Just it's just Howard the Duck. Okay. 
Dude, Christopher Lloyd is amazing in Roger Rabbit. In everything. I started watching uh, Taxi on Hulu. Yeah. God, that show is so good. I'm like a huge Andy Kaufman fan. And even though he just kind of is Latka and doing the little foreign man act in that show, it's still so good to see Andy. I hope he's still alive out there somewhere. I just remembered another provocative 80s film for me, and it was uh, Crocodile Dundee (laughs) when she's in her 80s thong one piece. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, the cable company Comcast is working on offering streaming video games. Now, this is an interesting and new twist, and cable cable companies are scrambling right now to compete with, uh, you know, trying to keep or appeal to uh, all these cable cutters. People are getting rid of cable and just... uh, using their Xbox or Roku or any other player to use Netflix or any of the other streaming services. So cable companies are having to get creative right now and and try to come up with solutions to stay competitive. And so Comcast is trying to offer streaming video games. And, you know, when you think of video games, I think they're working with probably the the right people to try this. They're working with EA Sports or or Electronic Arts in general. but I've got to say, um, I'm skeptical, and here's why. I don't know if uh, you guys have ever tried to watch a uh, on-demand movie from a cable provider, but they're not always that reliable. Um, lots of glitches and stuff happen. Yeah, I would and, imagine they would have trouble with like lag issues because yeah. I mean, there, there's there's lag issues on consoles that are you know made specifically for gaming. Exactly, and, and, like, and you're. You're bringing a whole lot into play here, both your, you know, your cable connection and their servers and whatever's going on to to serve this this content to you. Um, and I mean, here's the other issue: it would require an additional fee. You know, you're paying a, a, a whatever monthly fee for this game service as well. And yeah. I'm not a fan of this. You know, and it, it comes. It, it's the same for software with me too. I hate how Adobe, for example, has moved to purely a cloud platform with their creative suite. Like I don't want to pay a monthly fee for Photoshop. You know, I want Photoshop on my machine and able to use it whenever I want. Um, I don't want to rely on an internet connection or something to do work. You know, if I'm on an airplane or wherever, you know, and it doesn't matter how good or fast your internet connection is, it's still an internet connection, and it, well, occasionally have problems. Like, I want software on my machine, so it's up to the specs and the, the power and everything that my machine can handle for that, that software. I don't like cloud software. Mm-mm. I don't either. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I feel like that was the biggest... I mean, God, did the Chromebooks even get off the ground? They have their market, and I, I think they're they're still kind of moving along, but I would I would never go that route. Yeah, I just mean, because I'm I'm frequently you know where I don't have an internet connection or I don't want to rely on an internet internet connection. You know, if I'm doing like I don't know like a word document or or something, you know, I want the software on my computer. I just want to be able to open it up and work on it. I don't want an internet connection. I will say though. Um, I, 
I had Xbox um, Live there for a little while before mm-hmm. I, and I mean, I was literally just using it as like um, pretty much just like a streaming thing for Netflix before I had like an Apple TV or Roku. Yeah, and uh, I think that being able to download video games on demand is so incredibly cool, man. Because I mean, uh, the the indie video game developer market is like. Just there, there are so many weird ass little awesome independent video games out there that are like they they even like throw back to eight bit and stuff like that. But they're you know they're made for Xbox, and just being able to like have that stuff instantaneously. I mean that's so awesome. I'm not a huge video game player, but I still think that's so incredibly cool compared to like just when you were a kid, you had to literally like go out to the store and rent a cartridge and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like God. Having that stuff instantaneously is a miracle, and nobody cares, you know? Well, that was one of the coolest things for me about the original uh, Nintendo Wii, is that they have their their store, and you can download um, games directly to the console. And these are, you know, games that were originally on an uh, original Nintendo or Super Nintendo so games that I grew up playing, you know, I could download them to the Wii and play them on the Wii. Hey, I you guys recently... are so lame. I I still have my old Nintendo, and I, well, it's in storage at the moment, but I play it frequently when it's not. Yeah, a healthy amount. And my, my... I I support that and uh, applaud that. I mean, I I agree with that completely. I would, I don't know. I mean, to me, all right. So I don't know if I have a favorite console. But I have to say that of all the consoles I played, I do enjoy original Nintendo and Super Nintendo the most. Yeah, duh. Yeah, original Nintendo just God the the nostalgic vibe, just the whole like artistic experience of that machine was so amazing, and it's like one of the first things I remember about life <laughs> was playing damn Mario Brothers. Well, and poor Nintendo is struggling so much right now. And, oh, and, I know. And, you know, there, there's been so much talk, even in the last couple of weeks, of, of, you know, all these people saying that Nintendo should get out of the hardware market. Um, but, man, when Nintendo first came out, it's incredible to think back at how long ago that was and just how advanced the technology was. I mean, even the, the, the stupid laser gun. I mean, mm-hmm. you're shooting a laser gun at your boxy, stupid-ass TV. It was so <laughs> cool. You didn't have a bar on top of your TV or anything. This gun was, like, so smart that it could just, like, it knew what, what you were shooting at. And then the power mat and the power glove. Yeah. I mean, just all that stuff was coming out, and it was so ahead of its time. My cousin worked for Nintendo, so... We always had some inside That's awesome. knowledge and tips. and But, yeah, man, I, I'm a purist. I, I've never bought a game console that wasn't Nintendo. In fact, I just remember I only have still Nintendo through N64. Actually, I don't have the GameCube. But um, my brother just had told me he's going to give me his Wii because he uses his Xbox One. And they never use that, so... Now I just realized I got to go get the Wii so I can catch up with the rest of the world. <laughs> my buddy, uh, my well, buddy, isn't Tyler. there a different Wii now? There's like the I don't know what it is. It's something more advanced than I have. I have the Wii. There's like the Wii Universe or Wii. Huh. I forget what it's called. The Wii Wii. The Wii Wii. Yeah. The Nintendo Wiener. 
Yep. Um, my buddy Tyler just uh, showed me this thing. It's called uh, GBA for iOS, and it's a Game Boy Advance emulator. Oh, cool. And you don't, you don't have to br- jailbreak your iPhone or anything, and you literally can just, like, get all kinds of games in it. It plays just like a Game Boy. It's a really impressive app. I didn't actually read this, and I need to, and this reminds me, um, I saw something today that Nintendo is actually going to release their first app, their what? first ever app, and I don't know what it is, so I need to look into that. Oh, that's cool. I wonder what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's good for them. They need to, and, you know, they need to go where the market is. And, you know, I mean, Nintendo's got a good thing going. They just need to, I I don't know, they they kind of exploded with the Wii, um, and a lot of people had already counted Nintendo out. But, uh, I mean, they're going after a different market, and I I think there's still definitely a, a market for Nintendo to serve. So I wouldn't rule them out yet. Me. Meat. Yes. Plant cake. But I'm so I'm so behind with the whole gaming thing. Like I wish I could game more and play all sorts of fun stuff and look into and possibly get, you know, some of the, the emulators too and some of the like new versions of like the original Nintendo system and the SNES. I mean, I know there are platforms out there that uh are new construction, new uh, components and everything to play the old original games that may or may not require as much blowing into the cartridges. But... Oh, no, I got I got one on Groupon to play my old Nintendo games. I haven't used it yet, yeah. but it's like a new little console. It's like this big, yeah. but Isn't it just it plays a... your old games. And it was like 20 bucks online. I was like, hmm, That's okay, awesome. I'll try this. Is it the, is it the small... Um... It's like black and red. Is it, does it load in through the top? Yeah. Yeah, um, man, there's a little place down near my house that used to sell, like, um, the, I got, I can't remember what, I, I think they were called something like Gobos or something like that, but they were rebuilt, old, like, rebuilt old school Nintendos that worked, like, a thousand percent better. Yeah, that's what mm. this is supposed to be. Yeah, those things are so awesome. So, I haven't tried it out yet, because I think I was traveling for my show when I got it in the mail, and then I had to pack up my house, so, um... Maybe I need to go break into the storage locker. Maybe. One of the, one of the best things ever. Uh, I loved, loved Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for uh, Nintendo 64. And uh, I got a 64 emulator and got that thing. And it was just so awesome to sit here on, like, my big computer monitor and just play that game again. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I would love to go back and play some of the games I grew up on on a much larger screen. <laughs> We seem, yeah. we seem to have deviated into a quite a 80s, early 90s tangent here. A little bit of a nostalgia moment. Yeah. yeah. That's Good all right. Stuff. Yeah. Nothing wrong with the 80s and 90s. Love the 80s and 90s. Hell yeah. Before Kayla was born. <laughs> yeah. I was born 35 minutes ago. Oh, you're doing I all pop- right. Popped out of the womb that cut the cord and I was like, Ma, I got to go do the podcast. Except you did it in Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey's voice. As I was erupted from my mother's solar plexus, uh, I ran <laughs> slime-covered and oh. screaming through the hospital to All make right. it to the podcast. Well, you've ruined the show, so I think we should uh, <laughs> end this episode. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another goo-covered show. On behalf of Caleb and myself and our wonderful friend Maureen, thank you for listening. We will talk to you later, people. Arima bitches. Plant cake. Plant cake.